Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. On November 8, 2016, Trump was elected president. Welcome to the underworld. I love America. It's been my home all my life. Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. In America, let you and attract you every day. my home all my life. If you don't know the, don't past, know the past, you're only you're doomed, doomed to repeat, doomed to repeat it. it. Welcome to Public Access America. This is your history. This is your, this country. Is your country. This is America. This is Join us in listening to some of history's America's best speeches. Created by Jarcodes Productions. Go back in Go time, back with, time us. with us right now, right now. on Public, Public Access, Access America. America. Two days later, Russian officials told the press that the Russian government had maintained contacts with Trump's immediate entourage during the campaign. In response, Hope Hicks, who had been the Trump campaign spokesperson, said, We are not aware of any campaign representatives that were in touch with any foreign entities before yesterday, when Mr. Trump spoke with many world leaders. Hicks gave an additional statement denying any contacts between the campaign and Russia, it never happened. There was no communication between the campaign and any foreign entity during the campaign. On December 10, 2016, the press reported that U.S. intelligence agencies had concluded that Russia interfered in last month's presidential election to boost Donald Trump's bid for the White House. Reacting to the story the next day, President-elect Trump stated, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's just another excuse.
He continued that no one really knew who was responsible for the hacking, suggesting that the intelligence community had no idea if it's Russia or China or somebody. It could be somebody sitting in a bed someplace. The president-elect also said that Democrats were putting D out the story of Russian interference because they suffered one of the greatest defeats in the history of politics. On December 18, 2016, Podesta told the press that the election was distorted by the Russian intervention and questioned whether Trump campaign officials had been in touch with the Russians. The same day, incoming Chief of Staff Reigns Priebus appeared on Fox News Sunday and declined to say whether the president-elect accepted the intelligence community's determination that Russia intervened in the election. When asked about any contact or coordination between the campaign and Russia, Priebus said, even this question is insane. Of course we didn't interface with the Russians. Priebus added that this whole thing is a spin job and said, the real question is, why the Democrats are doing everything they can to delegitimize the outcome of the election? On December 29, 2016, the Obama administration announced that in response to Russian cyber operations aimed at the U.S. election, it was imposing sanctions and other measures on several Russian individuals and entities. When first asked about the sanctions, President-elect Trump said, I think we ought to get on with our lives. He then put out a statement that said it's time for our country to move on to bigger and better things, but indicated that he would meet with intelligence community leaders the following week for a briefing on Russian interference. The briefing occurred on January 6, 2017. Following the briefing, the intelligence community released the public version of its assessment, which concluded with high confidence that Russia had intervened in the election through a variety of means with the goal of harming Clinton's electability. The assessment further concluded with high confidence that Putin and the Russian government had developed a clear preference for Trump. Several days later, BuzzFeed published unverified allegations compiled by former British intelligence officer Christopher Steele during the campaign about candidate Trump's Russia connections under the headline These reports allege Trump has deep ties to Russia. In a press conference the next day, the president-elect called the release an absolute disgrace and said, I have no dealings with Russia. I have no deals that could happen in Russia, because we've stayed away. So I have no deals, I have no loans and I have no dealings. We could make deals in Russia very easily if we wanted to, I just don't want to because I think that would be a conflict. Several advisors recalled that the president-elect viewed stories about his Russian connections, the Russia investigations, and the intelligence community assessment of Russian interference as a threat to the legitimacy of his electoral victory. Hicks, for example, said that the president-elect viewed the intelligence community assessment as his Achilles heel because, even if Russia had no impact on the election, people would think Russia helped him win, taking away from what he had accomplished. Sean Spicer, the first White House communications director, recalled that the president thought the Russia story was developed to undermine the legitimacy of his election. Gates said the president viewed the Russia investigation as an attack on the legitimacy of his win. And Priebus recalled that when the intelligence assessment came out, the president-elect was concerned people would question the legitimacy of his win. B. The president's conduct concerning the investigation of Michael Flynn. Overview. During the presidential transition, incoming National Security Advisor Michael Flynn had two phone calls with the Russian ambassador to the United States about the Russian response to U.S. sanctions imposed because of Russia's election interference. 
After the press reported on Flynn's contacts with the Russian ambassador, Flynn lied to incoming administration officials by saying he had not discussed sanctions on the calls. The officials publicly repeated those lies in press interviews. The FBI, which previously was investigating Flynn for other matters, interviewed him about the calls in the first week after the inauguration, and Flynn told similar lies to the FBI. On January 26, 2017, Department of Justice DOJ officials notified the White House that Flynn and the Russian ambassador had discussed sanctions and that Flynn had been interviewed by the FBT. The next night, the president had a private dinner with FBI Director James Comey in which he asked for Comey's loyalty. On February 13, 2017, the president asked Flynn to resign. The following day, the president had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Comey in which he said, I hope you can see your way clear to letting this go, to letting Flynn go. Evidence. 1. Incoming National Security Advisor Flynn discusses sanctions on Russia with Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislak shortly after the election. President-elect Trump announced he would appoint Michael Flynn as his National Security Advisor. For the next two months, Flynn played an active role on the Presidential Transition Team PTT, coordinating policy positions and communicating with foreign government officials, including Russian Ambassador to the United States Sergei Kislak. On December 29, 2016, as noted in Volume 2, Section TT. A. 4. Supra, the Obama administration announced that it was imposing sanctions and other measures on several Russian individuals and entities. That day, multiple members of the PTT exchanged emails about the sanctions and the impact they would have on the incoming administration, and Flynn informed members of the PTT that he would be speaking to the Russian ambassador later in the day. Flynn, who was in the Dominican Republic at the time, and K.T. McFarland, who was slated to become the Deputy National Security Advisor and was at the Mar-a-Lago Resort in Florida with the President-elect and other senior staff, talked by phone about what, if anything, Flynn should communicate to Kislak about the sanctions. McFarland had spoken with incoming administration officials about the sanctions and Russia's possible responses and thought she had mentioned in those conversations that Flynn was scheduled to speak with Kislak. Based on those conversations, McFarland informed Flynn that incoming administration officials at Mar-a-Lago did not want Russia to escalate the situation. At 4.43 p.m. that afternoon, McFarland sent an email to several officials about the sanctions and informed the group that Jen Flynn is talking to Russian ambassador this evening. Approximately one hour later, McFarland met with the president-elect and senior officials and briefed them on the sanctions and Russia's possible responses. Incoming Chief of Staff Reince Priebus recalled that McFarland may have mentioned at the meeting that the sanctions situation could be cooled down and not escalated. McFarland recalled that at the end of the meeting, someone may have mentioned to the president-elect that Flynn was speaking to the Russian ambassador that evening. McFarland did not recall any response by the president-elect. 89 Priebus recalled that the president-elect viewed the sanctions as an attempt by the Obama administration to embarrass him by delegitimizing his election. Immediately after discussing the sanctions with McFarland on December 29, 2016, Flynn called Kislak and requested that Russia respond to the sanctions only in a reciprocal manner, without escalating the situation. This free audio is provided by MullerReportAudioBook.com. After the call, Flynn briefed McFarland on its substance. 
Flynn told McFarland that the Russian response to the sanctions was not going to be escalatory because Russia wanted a good relationship with the Trump administration. On December 30, 2016, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced that Russia would not take retaliatory measures in response to the sanctions at that time and would instead plan further steps to restore Russian-U.S. relations based on the policies of the Trump administration. Following that announcement, the president-elect tweeted, Great move on delay, by V. Putin, I always knew he was very smart. On December 31, 2016, Kislak called Flynn and told him that Flynn's request had been received at the highest levels and Russia had chosen not to retaliate in response to the request. Later that day, Flynn told McFarland about this follow-up conversation with Kislak and Russia's decision not to escalate the sanctions situation based on Flynn's request. McFarland recalled that Flynn thought his phone call had made a difference. Flynn spoke with other incoming administration officials that day, but does not recall whether they discussed the sanctions. Flynn recalled discussing the sanctions issue with incoming administration official Stephen Bannon the next day. Flynn said that Bannon appeared to know about Flynn's conversations with Kislak, and he and Bannon agreed that they had stopped the train on Russia's response to the sanctions. On January 3, 2017, Flynn saw the president-elect in person and thought they discussed the Russian reaction to the sanctions, but Flynn did not have a specific recollection of telling the president-elect about the substance of his calls with Kislak. Members of the intelligence community were surprised by Russia's decision not to retaliate in response to the sanctions. When analyzing Russia's response, they became aware of Offland's discussion of sanctions with Kislak. Previously, the FBI had opened an investigation Offland based on his relationship with the Russian government. Flynn's contacts with Kislak became a key component of that investigation. 2. President-elect Trump is briefed on the intelligence community's assessment of Russian interference in the election and Congress opens election interference investigations. On January 6, 2017, as noted in Volume 2, Section 11. A. 4. Supra. Intelligence officials briefed President-elect Trump and the incoming administration on the intelligence community's assessment that Russia had interfered in the 2016 presidential election. When the briefing concluded, Comey spoke with the president-elect privately to brief him on unverified, personally sensitive allegations compiled by Steele. According to a memorandum Comey drafted immediately after their private discussion, the president-elect began the meeting by telling Comey he had conducted himself honorably over the prior year and had a great reputation. The president-elect stated that he thought highly of Comey, looked forward to working with him, and hoped that he planned to stay on as FBI director. Comey responded that he intended to continue serving in that role. Comey then briefed the president-elect on the sensitive material in the Steele reporting. Comey recalled that the president-elect seemed defensive, so Comey decided to assure him that the FBI was not investigating him personally. Comey recalled he did not want the president-elect to think of the conversation as a J. Edgar Hoover move. On January 10, 2017, the media reported that Comey had briefed the president-elect on the Steele reporting, and BuzzFeed News published information compiled by Steele Online, stating that the information included specific, unverified, and potentially unverifiable allegations of contact between Trump aides and Russian operatives. The next day, the president-elect expressed concern to intelligence community leaders about the fact that the information had leaked and asked whether they could make public statements refuting the allegations in the Steele reports. 
In the following weeks, three congressional committees opened investigations to examine Russia's interference in the election and whether the Trump campaign had colluded with Russia. On January 13, 2017, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence SSCT, announced that it would conduct a bipartisan inquiry into Russian interference in the election, including any links between Russia and individuals associated with political campaigns. On January 25, 2017, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence HPSC, announced that it had been conducting an investigation into Russian election interference and possible coordination with the political campaigns. And on February 2, 2017, the Senate Judiciary Committee announced that it too would investigate Russian efforts to intervene in the election. Three. Flynn makes false statements about his communications with Kislak-To incoming administration officials, the media, and the FBI. On January 12, 2017, a Washington Post columnist reported that Flynn and Kislak communicated on the day the Obama administration announced the Russia sanctions. The column questioned whether Flynn had said something to undercut the U.S. sanctions and whether Flynn's communications had violated the letter or spirit of the Logan Act. President-elect Trump called Priebus after the story was published and expressed anger about it. Priebus recalled that the president-elect asked, what the hell is this all about? Priebus called Flynn and told him that the president-elect was angry about the reporting on Flynn's conversations with Kislak. Flynn recalled that he felt a lot of pressure because Priebus had spoken to the boss and said Flynn needed to kill the story. Flynn directed McFarland to call the Washington Post columnist and inform him that no discussion off sanctions had occurred. McFarland recalled that Flynn said words to the effect of, I want to kill the story. McFarland made the call as Flynn had requested although she knew she was providing false information, and the Washington Post updated the column to reflect that a Trump official had denied that Flynn and Kislak discussed sanctions. When Priebus and other incoming administration officials questioned Flynn internally about the Washington Post column, Flynn maintained that he had not discussed sanctions with Kislak. Flynn repeated that claim to Vice President-elect Michael Pence and to incoming press secretary Sean Spicer. In subsequent media interviews in mid-January, Pence, Priebus, and Spicer denied that Flynn and Kislak had discussed sanctions, basing those denials on their conversations with Flynn. The public statements incoming administration officials denying that Flynn and Kislak had discussed sanctions alarmed senior DOJ officials, who were aware that the statements were not true. Those officials were concerned that Flynn had lied to his colleagues who in turn had unwittingly misled the American public creating a compromise situation for Flynn because the Department of Justice assessed that the Russian government could prove Flynn lied. The FBI investigative team also believed that Flynn's calls with Kislak and subsequent denials about discussing sanctions raised potential Logan Act issues and were relevant to the FBI's broader Russia investigation. On January 20, 2017, President Trump was inaugurated and Flynn was sworn in as National Security Advisor. On January 23, 2017, Spicer delivered his first press briefing and stated that he had spoken with Flynn the night before, who confirmed that the calls with Kislak were about topics unrelated to sanctions. Spicer's statements added to the Department of Justice's concerns that Russia had leverage over Flynn based on his lies and could use that derogatory information to compromise him. On January 24, 2017, Flynn agreed to be interviewed by agents from the FBI.
During the interview, which took place at the White House, Flynn falsely stated that he did not ask Kislak to refrain from escalating the situation in response to the sanctions on Russia imposed by the Obama administration. Flynn also falsely stated that he did not remember a follow-up conversation in which Kislak stated that Russia had chosen to moderate its response to those sanctions as a result of Flynn's request. 4. DOJ officials notify the White House of their CONC underscore earns about Flynn. On January 26, 2017, Acting Attorney General Sally Yates contacted White House Counsel Donald McGahn and informed him that she needed to discuss a sensitive matter with him in person. A later that day, Yates and Mary McCord, a senior national security official at the Department of Justice, met at the White House with McGahn and White House Counsel's Office Attorney James Burnham. Ayat said that the public statements made by the vice president denying that Flynn and Kislak discussed sanctions were not true and put Flynn in a potentially compromised position because the Russians would know he had lied. Yates disclosed that Flynn had been interviewed by the FBI. Esch declined to answer a specific question about how Flynn had performed during that interview, but she indicated that Flynn's statements to the FBI were similar to the statements he had made to Pence and Spicer denying that he had discussed sanctions. McGahn came away from the meeting with the impression that the FBI had not pinned Flynn down in lies, but he asked John Eisenberg, who served as legal advisor to the National Security Council, to examine potential legal issues raised by Flynn's FBI interview and his contacts with Kislak. That afternoon, McGahn notified the president that Yates had come to the White House to discuss concerns about Flynn. McGahn described what Yates had told him, and the president asked him to repeat it, so he did. McGahn recalled that when he described the FBI interview of Flynn, he said that Flynn did not disclose having discussed sanctions with Kislak, but that there may not have been a clear violation of 18 U.S.C. I-001. The president asked about Section 1001, and McGahn explained the law to him, and also explained the Logan Act. The president instructed McGahn to work with Priebus and Bannon to look into the matter further and directed that they not discuss it with any other officials. Priebus recalled that the president was angry with Flynn in light of what Yates had told the White House and said, not again, this guy, this stuff. That evening, the president dined with several senior advisors and asked the group what they thought about FBI Director Comey. According to Director of National Intelligence Dan Coates, who was at the dinner, no one openly advocated terminating Comey but the consensus on him was not positive. Coates told the group that he thought Comey was a good director. Coates encouraged the president to meet Comey face to face and spend time with him before making a decision about whether to retain him. This free audio is provided by MullerReportAudioBook.com. McGahn has a follow-up meeting about Flynn with Yates. President Trump has dinner with FBI Director Cummy. The next day, January 27, 2017, McGahn and Eisenberg discussed the results of Eisenberg's initial legal research into Flynn's conduct, and specifically whether Flynn may have violated the Espionage Act, the Logan Act, or 18 U.S.C. 1001. Based on his preliminary research, Eisenberg informed McGahn that there was a possibility that Flynn had violated 18 U.S.C. 1001 and the Logan Act. Eisenberg noted that the United States had never successfully prosecuted an individual under the Logan Act and that Flynn could have possible defenses, and told McGahn that he believed it was unlikely that a prosecutor would pursue a Logan Act charge under the circumstances. That same morning, McGahn asked Yates to return to the White House to discuss Flynn again. 
In that second meeting, McGahn expressed doubts that the Department of Justice would bring a Logan Act prosecution against Flynn, but stated that the White House did not want to take action that would interfere with an ongoing FBI investigation of Flynn. Yates responded that Department of Justice had notified the White House so that it could take action in response to the information provided. McGahn ended the meeting by asking Yates for access to the underlying information the Department of Justice possessed pertaining to Flynn's discussions with Kislak. Also on January 27, the president called FBI Director Cummey and invited him to dinner that evening. Priebus recalled that before the dinner, he told the president something like, don't talk about Russia, whatever you do, and the president promised he would not talk about Russia at the dinner. McGahn had previously advised the president that he should not communicate directly with the Department of Justice to avoid the perception or reality of political interference in law enforcement. When Bannon learned about the president's planned dinner with Comey, he suggested that he or Priebus also attend, but the president stated that he wanted to dine with Comey alone. Comey said that when he arrived for the dinner that evening, he was surprised and concerned to see that no one else had been invited. Comey provided an account of the dinner in a contemporaneous memo, an interview with this office, and congressional testimony. According to Comey's account of the dinner, the president repeatedly brought up Comey's future, asking whether he wanted to stay on as FBI director. Because the president had previously said he wanted Comey to stay on as FBI director, Comey interpreted the president's comments as an effort to create a patronage relationship by having Comey ask for his job. The president also brought up the steel reporting that Cummy had raised in the January 6, 2017 briefing and stated that he was thinking about ordering the FBI to investigate the allegations to prove they were false. Comey responded that the president should think carefully about issuing such an order because it could create a narrative that the FBI was investigating him personally, which was incorrect. Later in the dinner, the president brought up Flynn and said, the guy has serious judgment issues. Comey did not comment on Flynn and the president did not acknowledge any FBI interest in or contact with Flynn. According to Comey's account, at one point during the dinner the president stated, I need loyalty, I expect loyalty Comey did not respond and the conversation moved on to other topics, but the president returned to the subject of Comey's job at the end of the dinner and repeated, I need loyalty Comey responded, you will always get honesty from me. The president said, that's what I want, honest loyalty Comey said, you will get that from me. After Comey's account of the dinner became public, the president and his advisors disputed that he had asked for Comey's loyalty. The president also indicated that he had not invited Comey to dinner, telling a reporter that he thought Comey had asked for the dinner because he wanted to stay on. But substantial evidence corroborates Comey's account of the dinner invitation and the request for loyalty. The president's daily diary confirms that the president extended a dinner invitation to Comey on January 27. With respect to the substance of the dinner conversation, Comey documented the president's request for loyalty in a memorandum he began drafting the night of the dinner. Senior FBI officials recall that Comey told them about the loyalty request shortly after the dinner occurred, and Comey described the request while under oath in congressional proceedings and in a subsequent interview with investigators subject to penalties for lying under 18 U.S.C.I. Comey's memory of the details of the dinner, including that the president requested loyalty, has remained consistent throughout.
Flynn's resignation on February 2, 2017, Eisenberg reviewed the underlying information relating to Flynn's calls with Kislak. Eisenberg recalled that he prepared a memorandum about criminal statutes that could apply to Flynn's conduct, but he did not believe the White House had enough information to make a definitive recommendation to the president. Eisenberg and McGahn discussed that Eisenberg's review of the underlying information confirmed his preliminary conclusion that Flynn was unlikely to be prosecuted for violating the Logan Act. Because White House officials were uncertain what Flynn had told the FBI, however, they could not assess his exposure to prosecution for violating 18 U.S.C. 1001. The week of February 6, Flynn had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the president in the Oval Office about the negative media coverage OFHIS contacts with Kislak. Flynn recalled that the president was upset and asked him for information on the conversations. Flynn listed the specific dates on which he remembered speaking with Kislak, but the president corrected one of the dates he listed. The president asked Flynn what he and Kislak discussed and Flynn responded that he might have talked about sanctions. On February 9, 2017, the Washington Post reported that Flynn discussed sanctions with Kislak the month before the president took office. After the publication of that story, Vice President Pence learned of the Department of Justice's notification to the White House about the content of Flynn's calls. He and other advisors then sought access to and reviewed the underlying information about Flynn's contacts with Kislak. FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, who provided the White House officials access to the information and was present when they reviewed it, recalled the officials asking him whether Flynn's conduct violated the Logan Act. McCabe responded that he did not know, but the FBI was investigating the matter because it was a possibility. Based on the evidence of Flynn's contacts with Kislak, McGahn and Priebus concluded that Flynn could not have forgotten the details of the discussions of sanctions and had instead been lying about what he discussed with Kislak. Flynn had also told White House officials that the FB had told him that the FBI was closing out its investigation of him, but Eisenberg did not believe him. After reviewing the materials and speaking with Flynn, McGahn and Priebus concluded that Flynn should be terminated and recommended that course of action to the president. That weekend, Flynn accompanied the president to Mar-a-Lago. Flynn recalled that on February 12, 2017, on the return flight to D.C. on Air Force One, the president asked him whether he had lied to the vice president. Flynn responded that he may have forgotten details of his calls, but he did not think he lied. The president responded, okay, that's fine, T got it. On February 13, 2017, Priebus told Flynn he had to resign. Flynn said he wanted to say goodbye to the president, so Priebus brought him to the Oval Office. Priebus recalled that the president hugged Flynn, shook his hand, and said, we'll give you a good recommendation. You're a good guy. We'll take care of you. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. Feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10, we did not know each other. 
And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. It is because America has not invested in its people. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if we could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, it didn't happen. Here we are. You're wrong. Are you better off than you were four years ago? Fellow Americans. It's time, it's time to, to speak out. out. They're looking for help. They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same. When people lose their jobs, there's a good chance I'll know them by their names. When a factory closes, I know the people who ran it. When the businesses go bankrupt, I know them. We We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, yes we, we can. can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And when we get enough money, honey, we'll bring you down. But their children were saved. And their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.